Hey guys, it's your host Julian. This week we will conclude our two-parter with the great Paul Scarlatta as we chat all about the regular show. Paul came onto the series fairly early and he talks in depth about one of the greatest regular show episodes of all time, Death Punches, and one of the funniest episodes of all time, The Unicorns Have to Go. If you haven't yet, you should check us out on Patreon. We're offering three tiers with a lot of fun perks. Some of those perks included in the three tiers are a special shout out to the patrons, question priority, early and ad-free access to the audio and video chats, voting on upcoming retrospectives, and so much more. Our first Patreon-exclusive video will drop this Friday. Now, let's get on to my chat with the great Paul Scarlatta. And we're back for part two with Paul, man. Paul, thanks again for coming back, even though we didn't really go anywhere, man. We just uh, <laughs> yeah, hung out and talked a little bit of shit in between. Um, yeah. And then we're talking my... One of my favorite shows of all time. As far as modern day cartoons go, this one brought me back into animation. So the fans know, um, but uh, I don't think you do. I told you the story about me and my kid bonding over this one. Um, but if it wasn't for this show, uh, I don't think I'm back into animation the way I am. Uh, I was kind of, you know, just not, I don't want to say I was in a sourpuss mood, you know, type of thing when it came to animation, but I just felt like animation wasn't made for me anymore. Uh, you know, there's once you get older, you realize you can stop bitching about things and you can be like, ah, this thing's for me or this thing isn't for me. And you can kind of go or go away from it. And this show, regular show right off the bat, hook me hook, line and sinker. Um, you know, the characters were great. The stories were out there. Uh, it seemed like everybody that was working on the show was having fun because of how fun the show was. Um, you know, I've gotten very lucky to talk to quite a few people, you know, from some of the artists to the to the art director. I got to talk to Bill Salyers, you know, the voice of Rigby. That was fantastic. Um, and now I'm talking to another guy and you uh, one of the episodes we got four here, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, said stick out to you. Um, uh, Death Punchies. Right. So. Whenever I'm recommending a show, I always recommend a couple episodes, and Death Punches is up there. I absolutely love this one. This one reminded me of Napoleon Dynamite scene with Rex Quando. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, I don't know if that was a direct <laughs> correlation or, or, or an influence for this episode, but, man, walk me through Death Punches, man. How do you get to Death Punches? Cool. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I probably realized that at the time uh, that it was a, a Napoleon Dynamite kind of reference, uh, but I mm -hmm. just recently watched that that movie with my son a few months ago, and I was like, oh man, that's that's the death of Kong. <laughs> even even out of your sensei. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's it's one of my favorites too. And um, um, like we were saying during the break, I I uh, co-wrote and uh, storyboarded three episodes. Um, and Death Punches was one of the first ones that I worked on as a storyboard revisionist, which I did for another six years um, after doing those those three storyboards. And um, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that I think about with it with that episode. Um, uh, first and foremost is um, the fact that uh, Chris Riccardi. I don't know if you know Chris Riccardi. I I never had him on, but I know he passed away not too long ago. Huge Samurai Jack influence. Yeah, no, he's he was a fantastic talent and super nice guy, and uh, he had done some rough boards um, for that episode that I got to clean up. Uh, the whole uh, the whole uh, segment where uh, Rigby he's standing there with the uh, with the piece of paper that's got the the, the death punch on it, and there's the uh, that <laughs> song where you know you're the best around, and you know yeah. figuring out it, you know. That he's got to get the mullet and he's got to get the the cutoff jean shorts and and 
and then he goes and he and he's testing out his his death punchy powers. Um, that was all roughed by by Chris, mm-hmm. and um, I remember cleaning that stuff up and uh, doing doing the board uh, revisions on that, and uh, had a, just had a great time working on that that sequence and and um, <laughs> you know as a, as a child of the of the seventies and the eighties, uh, growing up outside Boston, uh, mullets have a, have a have a place <laughs> in my heart. <laughs> Down here in the south, they do too. That and El Caminos. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Uh, so yeah, same same thing up up uh, you know suburban uh, Massachusetts in the seventies and the eighties. Uh, so uh, it's automatically hilarious to me, you know, and um, and uh, Sam Marin, you know, who does the voice of uh, you know he did Pops and he Muscle did Man. Muscle Man yeah. and uh, and Benson. Uh, he also did the voice of the of uh, Death Kwang Do Sensei, mm. and just did such a good job, and it's so funny. And um, I, I did a, I did a ton of work on that show, and um, the, the the moment where uh, you know um, it, it's at the end of the episode, there's a businessman standing in front of um, of Sensei, and he's like, "Why, yes, I have the death punch and the death double." Oh, he finds out that uh, <laughs> it's stolen. <laughs> and just just getting to draw, you know, uh, uh, Sensei shaking his fist at the at the heavens uh yeah just so many so many funny moments just such a hilarious episode i i really wish that i could remember besides chris um who the the primary board artists were on that that episode um but yeah it was just a super super funny episode and uh one of my favorites one of my son's favorites he you know he uh he he loved a regular show I don't know. I was going to show you. I've got I've got a regular show poster here. Um, I can show you it later. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's just this foundational show that I that I really loved working on, and and uh, just you know we were talking about King of the Hill earlier, having a cultural impact um, for uh, particularly guys, but but for people of a particular age, it had such a huge impact that that mm-hmm. that, uh, that I. Uh, you know, so whenever I'm, I'm walking around in a, in a t-shirt, like, you know, I got my regular show t-shirt on now. If I'm walking out, you know, in in public, um, there's a certain age demographic guy who will see the shirt and be like, "Oh, fucking regular show, that's dope. I love that show. I grew up on that show." You the know, bros, or, man. Oh, the bros. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know. Uh, anyway, I I I, I digress, but um. Yeah, Death Punches was it was a show that I really really loved working on and really had a good time with. Yeah, it, it's it's that. I told Paula Spence this. I've literally told everybody that's worked on this one. Um, I don't know what JG's fascination was with mullets, with El Caminos, <laughs> with trailer parks, with white trash, but it's like <laughs> this show on paper doesn't make sense. Right. Like if you try to explain to somebody what the show is, like it's, you know, it's a scrub jay, it's a raccoon. Uh, there's a abominable snowman that's voiced by Luke Skywalker, you know, <laughs> that played the Joker for a little while. And then you've got a gumball machine. And, you know, there's a dude, this muscle man that's got tits hanging down to his knees. And there's a high five ghost and he only has four fingers. It's just, you try to tell somebody all this and they just look at you like you've got three heads. And it's just like you show yeah. them. 
with the exception of my wife, every show or every person I've showed this show to has fallen in love with the show with the except. I just don't think my wife understands comedy. Um, if we're being completely honest when it comes to this, because it's, it's a, it's a fucking brilliant show. I love this show. There's something about, there's something about a show like this, a movie like this or anything, right. That it's, it's not made to change the world. It's not out here trying to, you know, do anything other than make you laugh, make you just fucking think about what you're watching for, for, 10 minutes 12 minutes whatever it is it's just a good time it's a party on the screen every episode um you know i'm so appreciative that i i got to find this show at a very integral part of my life like i said you know bonded over over the show with my son you know i laughed at this show so many times and i didn't think i could laugh or i didn't think i was able to laugh putting on regular show or seeing an episode of regular show it gets me there every time it can instantly. There's a couple things that I can point to that if I'm having a shitty day, Talladega nights, step brothers, Nacho Libre, regular show, you know, these, these shows I can put on, I can just laugh no matter what happens. I can laugh at it. And I think that's, that's a true mark of something that's, that's everlasting. That's uh what's the word I'm looking for. Um, timeless. That's the word I'm looking for. I was thinking of Beauty and the Beast for some reason, but timeless, right? You can watch this at any era. Um, so we talked Death Punches just for a second, man, but let's take it a step back for just a few minutes, man. How do you get on to regular show? That is a a story I love telling. Um, because uh, prior to uh, working on regular show, uh, the the previous show that I was working on was American Dad, and mm-hmm. I remember working on American Dad, and um, one of my colleagues, a guy named uh, Jansen Yi, who's a fantastically talented uh, guy, he's, he's uh, still directing on American Dad. Um, he was a Cal Arts guy, and um, every year at the end of the year, um, Cal Arts has a uh, what they call the producer show, which is kind of like every everybody's student film, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a big show. And I've been to, I've been to it a couple of times, but uh, my friend Jan said he he got his hands on the DVD or the producer show for that year, and he he comes he comes up to me he's like, dude, you gotta see this 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 short, it's so fucking funny, it's it's just hilarious, and it was two in the a.m. p.m. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you you have to have seen uh, two in the a.m. p.m. Um, and I thought it was hilarious, and I thought it was super funny. And, uh, you know, it was my style of humor. It was Jansen's style of humor, you know, just just uh, really funny and inventive. And it still cracks me up to this day. And, um, you know, just kind of filed it in the back of my mind. And um, then uh, my time on uh, American Dad ended uh, with the 2007-2008 writer strike. You know, it was mm-hmm. the, the previous writer strike. We're in the, another writer strike now, but the, the last one. Um, kind of put us all out of work because uh, uh, American Dad, Family Guy, those were uh, WGA shows and uh, production had to stop. You know, we we all had to, to stop working. Um, but to be honest with you, at that time, I was like, fucking good. You know, I yeah. am so burnt out. I am so ready for a break. You know, um, storyboarding, uh, particularly for TV, can be kind of a grind. And mm-hmm. um I, you know, I was having some health, health issues back then and, and um, you know, so I was dealing with health issues and, and you know, uh, was had been working crazy hours on, on uh, American Dad, you know, a show that I loved and, and a crew that I loved, um, but I was just burnt out and I, I needed some time off. And so 
uh, when the writer strike happened, I took about a year, year and a half off. And after about maybe, you know, eight to 10 months, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I've kind of got my health back on track. Um, you know, feeling better. I've kind of recharged my battery. I need to start looking for work again. And, um, didn't particularly want to go back to, uh, to American dad at the time I ended up going back to American dad later on, which was, was a great night. It was, uh, felt like going home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, at the time I didn't want to. And, uh, we had talked earlier about having to take tests in order to yeah. get a job. And that's kind of, you know, just a, particularly in television and animation industry thing, you have to take a test. And sometimes those tests took you like a whole fucking week to do. And, you know, they were, uh, you know, just a, a lot of work and with absolutely no guarantee of getting a job. So, you know, mm-hmm. you, you spend a week doing, doing a test and oftentimes you just drop into this black hole and never hear anything back, you know, positive or negative, you wouldn't get any feedback. And um, so I had done about 10 or 12 tests by the time I heard about regular show. And um, so I was fucking done with tests. You know, I'd done 12 weeks worth of tests and, you know, hadn't gotten any jobs from it. You know, oftentimes hadn't heard back at all from anybody. You know, it wasn't like, you know, oh, thank you for taking the time to do this. Nothing, you know, Uh, which I felt was disrespectful and pissed me off. And um and so I heard about regular show and I was like, oh, fucking JG, you know, two in the AMP. Of course, yeah, I want to work with that guy. You know, that guy's awesome. Whatever he's doing, I want to I want to be a part of. And um, so I got the test. And so on the one hand, I was like, oh, awesome, JG. You know, on the other hand, I was like, fucking, te- I fucking hate tests. <laughs> you know, I don't want to do another test. So uh, it was part writing and part storyboarding. It was a two part test. And so I was like, fuck it. You know, I don't know what he wants other than the fact that i've seen his short which i loved which you know as you know has you know it it involves drug use and you know profanity and 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 kind of psychedelic weird shit happening and and so i'm like i would just i'm doing fuck it i'm i'm not gonna hold back i'm just gonna do what i think is funny and um i remember writing you know drug jokes and dick jokes and you know all this stuff that i never would have done otherwise yeah, uh, and I remember some of the dra- the drawings that I did. You know, like I can't remember what the what the prompt was, but it was like Mordecai and Rigby see something that that tripped them out or something like that. And so I I drew like this this giant dick on on uh, on horseback with a you know with you know this like evil horse rearing up with flames coming out of its nostrils, and he and he's got this flaming sword and you know like all this crazy off the wall shit. I'm like. They're gonna. They're not gonna go for this shit, you know. I, I you know, this is gonna be like everything else. I'm gonna drop into a black hole. I'm never gonna hear back. JG's and, like, hire this guy now. <laughs> I got a call, like, a, like a month later, and they're like, you know, you know, and I hear his voice, and you know, of course, you know, regular show wasn't happening, but I was like, oh, that's the voice of, you know, the character in two in the AMPM, uh, and he's like, oh, dude, yeah, I really like your test. I'm like, oh no shit, you like the, you like, you like all the shit I did for the test. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, we want to talk to you. And and so I um I got to meet him and uh Mike Roth, uh, who was mm-hmm. kind of like his his number two at the time. And and Mike is a I don't think Mike gets enough credit, you know, yeah. for you know, JG is an incredible talent, super funny, and as a 
such a distinct voice, but Mike was really, um, I think, a, a real uh, creative voice behind the scenes, which, which you know, gave a lot to, especially early regular show, like the first first couple of seasons. Um, you know, he was he was a real. Uh, it's Greg Daniels. Yeah, yeah, he was he was so good and so funny, and so I got to meet with those guys, and. <laughs> And uh, you know, we 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 met at a restaurant down the street from Cartoon Network, and uh, they were like, "Oh yeah, some of the shit you did cracked us up." And you know, we, we you know we couldn't believe it. And I was like, "Oh good," because I you know, I didn't know if I was going to offend you or you're going to think it was unfunny or you know whatever. So I was really pleased that they they went for it. You know, they and um, so I, I I started work on that show, and I also was really happy because it you know it was it was this a um an outline board driven show so as mm -hmm. a storyboard artist you're a writer as well as a as a storyboard artist so i was really excited to be involved in the writing process and it ended up you know that i wasn't kind of you know feeling the the voice of the show and so they're you know after the three episodes they're like you know we really like you we like the work that you do um you know you're not quite nailing the 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 voice we're looking for but do you want to stay on as a, as a board revision? So like, yeah, I, I want to be part of the show and I'm glad that you want to keep me on. And um, um, so I ended up working for, you know, six and a half years on the show from the very beginning mm -hmm. to just about the very, the very end. Um, in those, those early days. Um, yeah. I, I got to co-write three episodes with Kat Morris. who was my first board partner. Was super talented. She was fresh out of school out of. Um, oh, uh, What's that New York school? Um, uh, uh, I'm terrible with names, but I'm blanking on the name. Anyway, she she went to school in New York, and uh, she did some short films that were really cool and, and was really talented. And um, in the beginning, uh, we got to sit in on the uh, the the writing meetings, mm -hmm. and the writing meetings were so cool and so much fun. And you mentioned Matt Price before. Uh, you know, Matt Price was, yeah. was one of the writers um uh it was one of the guy at the time calvin usually, Wong. no calvin came a little bit later um and he was never one of the he he was one of the board artists and co-writers but he wasn't one of the two staff writers was it john uh infantino infantino, infantino. no he he um he ended up being like like kind of like an animation supervisor which mm -hmm. i think calvin ended up doing later on too uh and of course you know what I have a black hole Swiss cheese brain for, for names. <laughs> uh, I can't remember, but, but yeah, Matt was one of the guys, but anyway, we, we would get into a room and um, this was one of the most creatively fulfilling and fun jobs that I've ever had in, in animation is being part of those, those writers meetings in regular show. And what we would do is we would play writers games. And um, I'm not sure if anybody had, had talked to you about the, the writers games that we would do. No. Uh, but the way that it would work is we would all sit around a table and we would get a, um, a legal sized paper, you know, the, the 11 by or eight and a half by 14. And we would fold it up into um, fours. So, so it would have four uh, horizontal columns. And we would, uh, sometimes we would have a, a word in a hat, like, like they would write a word, like an, an emotion or, 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 you know, or something like that would be in the, in the hat and you would choose mm -hmm. that. And, um, or it would just be like, draw Mordecai and Rigby in that, in that top column, uh, doing whatever, or based on this, this, this word prompt that we get. 
And so we would spend, you know, a minute or five minutes, or whatever the, the time period would be doing that drawing or whatever, you know, whatever we want to do, Mordecai and Rigby doing. And then it'd be like, okay, pass it to two persons to your right. And so the drawing that I did would get passed to somebody else. I would get somebody else's drawing. And uh, they're like, okay, in the next five minutes, write act one based on, you know, so we had five minutes to come <laughs> up with, with act That's one. That's crazy. And it was super fun. And it was, you know, sometimes you'd end up with, with, you know, nonsensical stuff. Sometimes you would, you'd come away with, you know, a little germ of an idea that was really cool. And then other times you just get this fantastic bonkers story from beginning to end. And it was so much fun, you know, like, you know, act one, you set up the, the, the story, you set up the conflict act two, you know, you, they're, they're trying to solve the conflict and, and in escalating ways. And then act three, they, they resolve the conflict and, you know, uh, come to the conclusion. And, um, so, uh, you know, it was always just a lot of fun writing, uh, those stories and being part of that and coming up with cool stories and, you know, seeing some germ of an idea that you came up with end up being a, in an episode later on. And, mm-hmm. uh, we do, we as storyboard artists were part of that for like the first, I don't know how many seasons, but, but they eventually phased it out. And it was just the, the two staff writers, uh, JG, uh, Mike, and I, I think the, you know, like, like Chris, Riccardi who came in and then later on John Infantino and, and Calvin Wong, you know, uh, like the like the core the, the core top guys yeah. were the only ones who who ended up participating in those meetings later on. But in the beginning, uh all the storyboard artists were part of it and and uh they were just so much fun and and really cool and a really cool way of coming up with stories, you know, just just mm-hmm. just this kind of um you know, put on the spot brainstorming sessions that were just really creative and really a lot of fun. And, and, uh, yeah, that, so, so the, that was a, an early core memory of being a part of that show and, and doing something completely new and different because, uh, on the previous shows that I worked on, I'd worked on family guy, American dad and, um, King and Hill at that point. Mm-hmm. And those were all script driven shows where we would be handed the script and we would have no involvement in the stories whatsoever. And, you know, coming onto the show where you were responsible for uh, writing or, and had such a, um, a big part in the creation of those episodes from the writing to the dialogue, to doing the storyboards, you were, you know, just such a core part of the, the, the creation of that show from top to bottom or that episode from top to bottom. Um, and we would do pitch meetings too, where we would, um, you know, after we would get our outline, which is usually like like somewhere between a page, page and a half, um, you and your writing partner, your storyboard partner would get together, you would write all the dialogue, you kind of, you know, flesh out the, the, the story holes or, you know, flesh out the story a little bit more. And then you would thumbnail the whole thing. And then yeah. uh, we would do all the thumbnails on post-it notes. And JG liked that because... Uh, for each pitch session, we would put our story, our thumbboard, uh, excuse me, our, our thumbnail storyboard up on these giant pieces of foam core. And uh, JG liked to be able to take the post-its off and shuffle it around if, if he wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, change the story up. And um, those pitch meetings were a lot of fun too, because we had to, you know, pitch our stories and and then be involved in the, the you know, the um, the rewriting or the the, the brainstorming of, of the thing after the fact. So, so all of that was new to me and being involved in, in story on that level 
was just super fun and, and that I, I just really enjoyed. And I really loved the, you know, Cartoon Network, most of the shows at the time had that model where they were they were board driven and and uh, outline driven like adventure time was like that steven universe was like that um whole bunch of other shows uh used that model and um had just such talented funny people working on it uh yeah i, I gotta imagine it. <laughs> oh, no, you're perfectly fine i gotta imagine it stretched a muscle too that you haven't been able to use since coming into the industry so it made yeah. you a more well-rounded and it made you look at your, it probably made you a better artist at the end of the day. Cause it made you look yeah. at things that you probably wouldn't have thought about. Cause most of the time, like you were saying, you get a script, it kind of got everything mapped out. But if you're having to come up with how did they get here? How do they get out of here? What do you do to get them to here? Kind of makes yeah. you think, you know, so it's, it's a great exercise. And that's the first time I've ever heard of, um, you know, just anybody talking about like you guys would do these. That's so fucking smart. Like, do you know who came up with that? That you start here and then you pass it down and somebody finishes it. I I think that's a um, it's a writer's game that is fairly common in in writers' rooms, from what I understand. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I think that JG learned it at Cal Arts. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that was something that he took from his his time there and brought into. Um, mm. it, it's time a regular show, but it, it was it, like you said, it was just uh, I was working parts of my brain that I uh, I hadn't worked before. And I had always loved writing. You know, I, I uh, you know, write my spare time. I uh, and just recently have, have really di uh, dived into, into writing. Um, but you, you're really learning about how three act structure works, yeah. um, how that kind of storytelling works. Uh, that was all new to me. And uh, so that was something that I that I that I learned about and really enjoyed on regular show. Um, you know, we talked earlier about, um, my foundational time on King of the Hill and what I learned there, uh, what I learned on regular show, um, was all that, that story stuff, all that writing stuff. And also, uh, how, like, <laughs> um, after my, my time on, on, uh, uh, King of the Hill, I spent four years working on Seth MacFarlane shows mm -hmm. and Seth MacFarlane shows, uh, as you probably know, the characters are all they're, they're very stiff you know the, the acting was like you know they they do like this that's, that's yeah. like the extent of their acting and, and you know the characters are always in three quarter and the stiff stiff poses and so i'd done that for four years and then i come on a regular show and these are characters that have you know their you know uh uh rubber hose uh yeah. arm and legs and stuff and uh you know they have volume but they're they're very loose and they're very um animated they're very very animated and so i came onto the show and I was drawing, you know, just as stiffly as I was on, on, uh, on, on, uh, the performance shows on family guy and, and American dad. And, um, JG's like too stiff, man. It's too stiff. You gotta, you gotta loosen up. Just, 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 just do it, man. And, and so over time I was able to loosen up and really kind of get that kind of loose energetic line back. And, um, I really loved being able to loosen up my hand like that, you know, and really, yeah you know uh, uh give these characters some life and animate these characters and and you know jg was very patient with me and, uh, and uh, let, let me uh work work that out of my system and, and kind of you know get up to speed with um you know the way he liked to have these characters drawn and, and uh and so I, I learned a lot in that respect as well yeah man that's uh like i said i just think that's a, a brilliant technique to do i mean you know, you hear about all the time you hear, you hear about, you know, schools people go to and, 
You know, it it's very rarely do you see like I I, I don't know about you, but like when I was going through college, I don't say college the first time because it was college the entire time. Um, you know, I started out, you know, when I was in the military, I told I was told that you know I'd have to find some kind of job that wouldn't have me, you know, doing what I do now, standing a whole bunch, you know, being very physical. They told me I'd probably do some desk job because of how bad my back was. Um, and then I'm sitting in class. I just got done listening to Kevin Smith's uh, uh, podcast, and he essentially surmised it to, if you're not doing what you love, man, what the fuck are you waiting for? Life's too short, because it was right after he had his heart attack um, and almost died. And I'm I'm sitting in class, and I'm sitting in my English class, or I'm, I'm not, excuse me, not in my English class. My English class is my next class, but I'm sitting in a computer class, and I've got my books open, and I don't have any interest in computers. Like I was telling you earlier with, with my wife, like she loves like building stuff and fixing stuff in the house. Like I don't have any hardware to to retain any of that. If I don't like something, it's just boom, boom, it's gone. I don't think about it ever again. And, yeah. you know, all I've wanted to do since I was 12 was cook for a living. And, you know, I'm sitting here in this class and I'm listening to this person talk about uh, Linux pro or uh, Linux ser servers or software or some shit like that. I don't even know. And I'm just yeah. like, dude, I don't want to be here right now. So I'm I'm like getting up and I'm closing my books and the teacher goes, and it was a nice teacher. And I feel bad. I felt bad for after it. And I, and I went and apologized since then to that teacher. But uh, I, I remember the teacher going, like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just going to leave. Like, well, I'm going to mark you. You know, you're, you're only here for the first five minutes. You got to kind of, you know, stay for at least a half an hour. And I'm like, nah, not if you don't want to do this shit for a living. And then he was like, well, with that kind of attitude, you're not going to get any far. I'm like, well, with this kind of attitude, I'm not going to be in fucking computers anymore anyway. So I'm leaving. Bye. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I'm going to go over to the culinary school because that's what I really want to do. You know, and like I said, since then, I've went back and apologized for interrupting the class and everything. Because like, I thought that was extremely rude. I didn't try to be, but, you know, very um, anti-authority type of thing. Like you said, I had I had to deal with the shit for seven years, man. Tell me what to do, when to do it, how to shit, how to sit, you know, all that yeah. stuff. And I just didn't like it once it became a civilian. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I think it's very intelligent because the the whole reason I, I brought that up is because you know, there's so many things in, in college that I just completely threw away. I wasn't paying attention, didn't give a shit, you know, for, so for him to have the foresight, be like, oh, this was an exercise we did in school and this really got the creative juices flowing. I just think that's just uh, that's just telling of the guy that JG is and the, the guy that JG will be when it's all said and done, when he's done animating, uh, you know, when he hangs his or when he sharpens his last pencil or uh, stretches his finger for the last time for using his iPads, his computers and everything. I, I think, like I said, I think that's a very intelligent way to uh, keep your staff on not on edge on a bad way, but just. Like I said, those creative juices flowing. Um, you know, you gave me a, a list of three episodes uh, that 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 uh, that you really enjoyed working on, that you wrote, you co-wrote, and uh, and boarded on. We got unicorns, free cake, and appreciation day, man. Uh, <laughs> out of these three, free cake hands down stands out the most to me um, yeah. because this is the one that I saw on constant rotation in Cartoon Network. But it's also one that really I've never been a chocolate cake kind of guy, but this one really made me want chocolate cake. You know, so I had to hit pause and go up to the local uh, local um, uh, what are they called? Fucking grocery store uh, to get a slice of chocolate cake when I saw this one, man. But free cake. Let's start there. Yeah. Free cake. How does this one come about? Is this one of those exercise type of things that you guys were doing or? Uh, I'm pretty sure the germ of the idea came from the writer's games, but I don't specifically remember that moment um i do remember it free cake was 
the second episode that I worked on, we had already we'd done the unicorns was the first one that I that I worked on. Um <clears throat> and um as as you were you were talking about watching it again, um it made me think of a of a time so maybe a couple of years ago, uh, when my son was just getting into into regular show and he had a couple of friends over and um I, I think that the, their mom had dropped them off and had just come in at the end of the episode where they're with 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 the babies, you know, uh, with mm-hmm. the, the uh, what are they uh, the, the, the guardians or guardians. Uh, yeah yeah and, and uh, there's there's the moment where Skips shrivels and he gets on his hands and knees and he's he's got this, his tits are hanging down and, uh, and, <laughs> and 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 the mom is like what are you guys watching <laughs> don't worry I worked on this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's I'm a professional. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I made this. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, but it was a it was a lot of fun working on that uh, on that episode, and um, I remember working with Cat closely on that, and I remember the jam sessions with JG and Mike as well, and I remember the moment where I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Mike was like, you know, what if at the end. You know the babies just take the cake and like smear it on their faces. You know, yeah. like oh yeah, yeah, that's it. That's how we got to end this episode. And um, <laughs> and, and a, a particular memory of that. That's the first time we see Gary. Uh, you know yeah. the, the the David Bowie. Yeah. You know character. You know the Ziggy Stardust where he drives the El Camino. It's, mm-hmm. Speaking of El Caminos, um, and I remember us jamming on that, and I specifically remember Mike. Was the guy who did the the initial drawing of of Gary? He just kind of whipped it out and uh, said, "Oh yeah, he's got to he's got to drive an El Camino," and it was just <laughs> it was so funny because, uh, like I said, mullets and El Caminos they're just they're just funny. Second uh, nature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're so they're they're very close to my heart and my my history and my past. Um, <laughs> so I remember those moments uh, jamming with everybody. I think we were working pretty late that one particular night, uh, trying to work out the story after Kat and I had our first pass on it. But, um, you know, doing all those drawings of, um, you know, of of, uh, of the guys, like, uh, yeah, the beginning where, where I can't, I think it was in the beginning where, where they uh, Rigby finds the plate and thinks it's cool and we got to put the cake on it and, um, yeah, when when we start talking about these episodes, all those memories of working on it come back to me, and you know, like, oh yeah, that working with Cat, you know, in, in our office, working, you know, working with JG and Mike and Cat all together, where we're jamming just in a room, you know, doing doodles and stuff, and coming up with silly shit and having a good time, and just some of that stuff just came out of nowhere, you know, like like yeah. Gary came out of nowhere, and and the, the the baby smearing the cake came out of nowhere, and you know, like. And then you you think back and, you know, it was just somebody's brainstorm idea at, at the moment where we were just entertaining ourselves and, you know, just coming up with what we thought was funny and, you know, um, and then having it make it into the show and then have these have it be these iconic moments that I remember that people remember and just really mm-hmm. define those episodes. Uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was really, really a lot of fun. <laughs> you got a favorite you had a favorite moment from this episode? Um. Uh, I think it was the appearance of Gary uh, yeah. when, when he swoops down in his El Camino and just you know materializes in front of uh, 
Uh, and I, you know, I was thinking about it when you were uh, when I was listening to the Paulo Spence episode that you that you did, the, the, and you guys were talking about it and trying to remember his name. And I was like, mm -hmm. "Oh, Gary, it's Gary." <laughs> and, and there's a moment where where um, you know Gary's says he's got to take skips, and skips is like, "Gary, you don't have to do this." And um, I remember the moment where we were hanging out and and jamming on this, and and. I'm pretty sure this was was this was Mike again too. I can't remember if it was Mike or JG, but I'm pretty sure it was Mike. Like, what if his name is just Gary? Like he's he's just he's just Gary, and and you know Skips knows this guy, and they have a they have a history together, and so he says, Gary, you don't have to do this. And it was just this kind of throwaway thing that ended up, you know, uh, ballooning into a recurring character, you know, for mm -hmm. further down the line, and uh, and so it's funny those little moments can just be these off the cuff things that turn it turn into a bigger thing that's uh, a uh, super funny so i remember that moment <laughs> it'd be interesting to take a look at anything that was ever created when it comes to animation in particular since we're talking since it's an animation podcast or a pop culture podcast excuse me but uh just to see what from each show you know was there from the beginning of inception so you had fred flintstone and wilma flintstone right and then for some reason, somebody was like, oh, I mean, it'd be cool if we did a purple dinosaur. Just somebody throwing it out there in one of those little writer sesh. Then Dino's born. And you're like, yeah, but he needs a friend. So you got, uh, I don't know, fucking Barney. And then, yeah, but Barney kind of needs, he looks like he needs one of those aboriginal kids. He needs those kids that are wild and shit that you can't tame them down. So let's throw yeah. Bam Bam in there. So it's just, it's crazy to see like all of these little kernels just keep getting thrown out and then eventually they pop and they turn into popcorn, man. And then they yeah. start messing around with each other in the bowl, you know? So I really enjoy seeing things that, uh, you know, just have out of spontaneity, right. Just are breathing into life or breathe, breathe into existence, birth yeah, into existence, yeah. whatever that might be, you know, and that yeah. Gary being one of those characters, man. Um, yeah. I, and I actually love the, you know, cause you don't really, you, you know, for, for, to a certain extent that you know skips is obviously he's from this magical background all this weird woo-woo shit you know so i like in the later the later of the seasons uh or the later in the series excuse me where you see why he gets his name skips you know he's yeah. he's went to school with all of these guys the guardians gary death and all these other crazy shit happening you know yep. so i i like seeing how a like I said, a kernel of a story is planted or a seed of a story is planted. And then fucking seasons down the road, shit's built into fruition. Yeah, um, yeah, with, that was a great with, episode. Calvin did a, a lot of, like he was one of the, the guys on that, that particular episode. And that's, yeah. that's one of my favorites as well. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, that is really great. And it, it, just as a, a quick aside story, when you were, when you were mentioning a kernel of an idea, it made me think of the time when JG was like, what if Benson has rage issues? Like, <laughs> he just kind of threw it out there. He's like, you know, I think it would just be really funny if he had anger issues. That's the genesis of a core aspect of Benson's character that, you know, yeah. that carried through the entire show. And it was just that kind of off the cuff thing that he was like, I just think it would be funny if, if, he, if, well, he, had, if I, he had rage issues. I have to agree, man. I think it is really funny. And one thing that I absolutely love like I said, I love backgrounds. I love color. The yeah. fact that his entire body changes, not just like his physical appearance, but the color that he uses, like the gumballs change, like everything changes. It changes to a soft red and sometimes a full on red, 
you know, to uh, really put a color behind an emotion, you know, green with envy and red with rage, you know, so it, it it's it, I thought that's really cool, really smart, too. I mean, the, there's not one of these characters that I don't love. It's the same thing with King of the Hill when we were talking. It's just it, it's hard to hate on any of these characters. I mean, it it's it's a toss up. I've I've always thought Mordecai was the coolest, but I fucking love Rigby. You know, I we all have that friend from the first time you see these guys on the Cartoon Network pilot pile driving a, a a knockoff brand of Hulk Hogan's, you know, anytime Rigby got thrown into a wall. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> macho man, Randy Savage elbow, you know, Rigby getting thrown into a wall, just how he interacts with the world when he's, <laughs> when he's being used as a tool of destruction, you know, it's, it's every one of these characters has a moment to shine. Every one of these characters has qualities you don't like about them, but eventually they are redeemable you know whether it's that episode later in that ep- that season maybe even later in the series you know yeah. every character has a redemption arc to an extent yeah, yeah you know i hated i didn't hate i just disliked muscle man until i got muscle man right oh like yeah the first uh-huh. couple episodes i'm like dude this guy's a bro he's a douche you know it's just like he's he's like the up he's the epitome of brodom and you know to an extent you know you can kind of not like somebody like that. And then you go like, oh, I get it now, right? You know, it's just he's the butt of the joke. You know, he's he's just a fun character. Like I said, I love all these characters, man. Uh, speaking of characters, before we get into one of the next episodes, man, uh, what were some of the characters that were easy to get into? And what were some of the characters that were a little bit more difficult to get into? Um, Like you were saying, I, I kind of liked all the characters and really enjoyed... Mm-hmm finding my my way into both um animating the characters but also just finding a, a way to draw them and yeah. that's another cool thing about cartoon network is just the in the idiosyncrasies that each individual artist was allowed to bring to um you know you you i will notice it in in regular show like oh that's a that's a calvin drawing for sure you know mm-hmm. or that's that's a that's a Cat Morris drawing, or that's a Hillary drawing, or that's a Sean Zealous drawing. Um, I I think you noticed it. You can notice it maybe a little bit more in Adventure Time, where you know the artist had had such a a, a visual language, you know, in a way that they drew the characters that were were uh, specific to each individual artist. But um, um, I just love drawing all the characters. Um, like I said, even even if Rigby was a dick, sometimes you know he would he would be redeemed <laughs> by the end of the episode. Whether whether it was that you know death punches or or in in the movie, you know where he you know he, he's a dick to Mordecai and keeps him from going to college, but you know in the end you you know you can empathize with him. Um, I just had such a great time drawing all those characters, and like I said, you know once I started to be able to loosen up and draw the characters, um, I really enjoyed them. Um, loved Mordecai, loved Rigby. But I particularly loved uh, Skips and Muscle Man. Like, yeah, I just, I just always thought Muscle Man was was hilarious. I mean, in the beginning, he he was like I said, he was a little bit different, and he kind of came into his own uh, as mm-hmm. he went along. But even the broishness cracked me up because they're like, oh, I, I knew guys like that, you know, like yeah. the guys doing the donuts, and you know, and woo, woo, and of course, you know. Um, Props again to Sam Marin, uh, who just did such a fucking great job with uh, 
with muscle man and and pops and and benson you know benson's rage you know he was, mm -hmm. <laughs> Sam was so, especially if you know sam sam's is like the sweet soft-spoken dude but when he gets into those characters he just he just he, he goes for it and it's he's yeah. so good um I remember when I was first um, drawing uh, skips, uh, you know, I loved drawing. I loved drawing all, all of his shapes and stuff. But I remember in the beginning, you know, skips, you know, he's, he's got his nipples. Right. And, and for some reason, <laughs> it just cracked me up to draw skips with these like super <laughs> like pokey, perky nipples. Yeah. And I remember JG coming coming to my cubicle. He's like, "Dude, you got you got to tone down the nipples, man. <laughs> you know, you, you, it's too much." So I, I I thought that was funny, but um, but I you know, and Muscle Man was just so over the top and funny, and and you know, he had his mullet going on, and he had his his boobs, you know, that, that I always I always love drawing. Um, it just you know and. Yeah, he he was an overtop outrageous character, where Skips was kind of a little bit more understated and and stoic, except for Rounded. those moments. Yeah, yeah, those moments where he would spring into action and, and you know he would save the day for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. So he was a lot of fun to draw. Um, yeah, they were they were, they were all really fun. I really enjoyed all of them. Um, Pops was a lot of fun he, with that big head. Uh, Benson was a lot of fun with his with his. Uh, his rubber hose arms and um you know they they were characters like like you were saying earlier you know like uh, on on paper don't necessarily make sense a gumball machine and a yeti and a blue jay and a you know um but they were just so much fun to draw and so so expressive and 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 the the, the writing and the the talent that we had on that show just gave you so much to to tap into uh, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I just had a great time drawing those characters, no matter what they were doing and, you know, uh, what moments they were having. I just, you know, they were just so much fun to to inhabit and to and, and to draw, you know. So, uh, you know, you, you were talking earlier about, you know, uh, what's the point if you don't love what you're doing? And, yeah. and that's, you know, I, I I've enjoyed all the shows that I've worked on to a greater or lesser extent. But regular show, I had the benefit of every day i was cracking myself up drawing these characters you know uh cracking up from from the stuff that people had written me cracking up just drawing them doing their thing you know it was just such a blast uh, every day I, I had a good time uh working on that show uh, yeah really uh, <laughs> yeah it, it's that i mean you said it you, you've said it a couple of times but the the animated ...ness of these characters that are animated. I mean, whenever I think of Benson and that rage, anytime he would pick something up out of just pure rage and fucking snap, like he would literally rage quit. I it had me in stitches, man. It, it's just he, oh, he's yeah. one of those characters that's so great because we all have, we all know somebody or we're all been to that level where we've, we've literally rage quit. We flipped the table, we flipped the Monopoly table over, you know, yeah. to, 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 to equal the playing field. But, like I said, man, all of these characters, like you were saying, and like I was saying, on paper don't make sense. But when you put them in front of somebody and they're all working within each other within this world that JG's built, um, it, it's just pure magic. Um, the other two episodes, man, we got Unicorns and Appreciation Day. Figure yeah. we can do Unicorns and then we'll close it out as far as episodes go with Appreciation Day, man. But Unicorns, how does this one come about? 
this one was uh, a special one for me because uh, it was my first episode on on a regular show. Uh, it was the first um, show in anime or episode in animation that I had in any way, shape, or form been involved in the writing of. Um, and it was a, it was just it's just such a ridiculous concept that that was funny, you know, like you know these these unicorns who were a bunch of bros uh, and kind of droogs, you know, like uh, you know uh, clockwork orange droogs, you know, at the same time they were just these dick bros who you know yeah. <laughs> who loved dude time body spray. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous, but but fucking hilarious and um. I had a great time, you know, because I remember when we were first talking about the episode and we were jamming and we had to come up with um, character designs for these for these unicorns. And there was I don't know how many of them there were, there were six or eight of them. And and, and so we had to, you know, there's the punk one. There was the Alex from uh, Clockwork Orange one. There was, you know, all these different uh, different characters. And, and it was just super funny. And um, I remember another moment where we were all jamming and 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 you know mike was just throwing out and and jg were just throwing out the, their ideas about you know dude and dude time uh, oh bro can i can i have a spray yeah bro you know like you know, we were just it's just it's so funny you know going back and forth and then you know fr from the beginning where um and this this is something that i loved about about uh regular show too and you kind of you kind of touched on it a little bit um earlier where it, it kind of transcended age you know like mm -hmm. it could it could speak to that you know kind of tween kid but it could also speak to an, the adults and mm -hmm. it could speak to a college stoner and it could you know it, it, it had this this broad range of, of appeal and um and, and, you know, especially in the, in the early days, I remember uh, some of the shit that we came up with. It was like, man, I, I can't believe we're we're putting this out there and getting away with this stuff. And, you know, <laughs> the, there was a lot. I'm pretty sure it was the unicorn one. Or maybe, no, maybe, maybe that was the um, the concert tickets one or the, the caffeinated concert tickets where, where Rigby says something about, you know, Mordecai being interested in Lady Pecks. And and you know, <laughs> it's like this is a very kid show, you know. There's another episode where uh, set up the chairs where Mordecai and Rigby have to go and get the the talent, and they go to this seedy motel, and they open up the the door, and there's the horse there, and the the cans roll out, and the clown comes out, and he's still half wasted, you know. And I was like, holy shit, man, this is. I mean, I think it's hilarious, but I was I was just it blew my mind that the shit that we were getting away with. Um, but uh yeah the you know mordecai wanting to get dates and hearing about due time and and then at the end where um you know the showdown where he where you know mordecai you know comes to his senses and you know the, the but yeah the, just just all those little moments uh, of that episode uh yeah jamming with cat jamming with uh with um with jg and mike and, and and like we're saying about the last episode you know all those little just throwaway jokes where we're just we're just cracking each other up and coming up with stupid ideas and you know and 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 having fun and 
it, it makes me think of a moment. My my son takes violin, and mm-hmm. uh, it, his first violin teacher um, found out that I had worked on regular shows, and he's like, "Holy shit! I didn't know you worked on regular show. I fucking love that regular sh- that, that that show. You know, me and my friends used to watch that all the time." And, you know, like you're saying with your son to be, you know, the, oh, yeah. my but another thing that, that for, for him was, you know, oh, bro, do time. Can I spray <laughs> you? Like that was a thing that was between him and his friends. That was kind of like a call and, uh, you know, call and, and, and respond sort of thing with his buddies. I'm like, oh, wow, that's so cool. You know, this first episode that I worked on had this, you know, this, um, uh, it it, it it impacted his life and meant something to him and his friends and yeah so i that that um that that stuck to me and that and it harkens back to what we were talking about earlier about the you know the impact that that the the shows have on people and 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 how it, it's really cool when i come across moments that remind me of that where it's like oh people you know it's the show these shows mean something to people and mm-hmm. and, and um have an impact on people and uh, you know people enjoyed them and got something out of it um so so that that episode um for me uh meant a lot to me because it was my like i said it was my first but also when i come to find out it meant something to other people too you know i i, I really i really like that absolutely man as you should uh this one this one actually made me think of like wow they got away with the bros before hose joke that's what that one made me feel and he's like bro time dude we got to make time for each other uh yeah, that's right. the first yeah. thing that that came to mind for it man and the third and uh the last but surely hell is not least uh episode that you had mentioned was uh appreciation day was it appreciate yeah appreciation day appreciate um it. i can't yeah. Yeah, I can't read my handwriting sometimes. I got to get better at this. I get onto my son all the time about his penmanship. I'm like, man, your your handwriting is sloppy as shit. And I go and look at mine. I'm like, ooh, man, I got to keep this one away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still on the, you know, the due time's not for, for the ladies to frame with the bros. No <laughs> <laughs> bro time. Yeah, old bro time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Appreciation Day um, was the uh, third and, and last uh, episode that I co-wrote and and uh, did full boards on. And um, <clears throat> like we were saying about Death Punchies, uh, this one also makes me think of Chris Riccardi because mm-hmm. Chris uh, did a lot of work on on this one, particularly the the end sequence where um, everything's gone to shit and there's the uh, there's the snow monster. And um, and you know the the, the monster uh, steals the book of park records and is shredding it and you know Rigby runs after it and is collecting all the pages and you know they're, they're scrambling to to set everything right and you know uh, Mordecai you know they're frantically writing the book and then everything went back to normal and you know everything was okay. Um, uh, Chris did a lot of. Um, roughs for, for that and, and rough boards that I that I ended up working on and um I did a I did a lot of stuff a lot a lot of drawings uh and a lot of boards that I was I was pretty proud of at the time um mm-hmm. uh on on that episode and had a lot of fun working on that one. Kat did a lot of a lot of great writing, a lot of great work on that one as well. Um and that was kind of an episode that I also feel like was my uh transition episode from my board and co-writing stuff into my storyboard revision stuff because 
I did I did a lot of writing. I did a lot of boarding on that episode. But then I kind of stepped into my board revision role mm-hmm. and um, did a lot of board revisions, both of, of my work, of Kat's work, of the rewrite stuff that we did, and, and of, of Chris's stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I did a lot of drawings on that episode and did a lot of uh, board pages, a lot of pencil mileage on that one. And um, so, yeah, that's that, that's one that kind of stands out to me. Um, even though, yeah, it was, it was my last uh, my last co-writing credit on that show. Um, yeah, had, had, had a really good time drawing that stuff. And um, yeah, you, you know, every episode has its monster or has its fantastical yeah. element and I, I really had a lot of fun with that one with the with the blizzard and with skips getting his his leg broken and and with uh uh with with the monster that ends up breathing fire and more kind of like really dude fire it breathes fire <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was and, such a fourth wall break whenever yeah. he does that that was for sure him yelling it was uh I can't remember the episode oh man was it i want to say it was probably a bugs bunny or maybe it was a daffy duck cartoon but uh, you know the narrator's going, and then he just you know he breaks that fourth wall. It's like, really, man, come on, we can't be doing this stuff too. And maybe it, <laughs> maybe I'm just conflating that with a different show, but that's what it made me think of. Um, yeah, I, I love this episode, and, and I wanted to circle back to something that I thought was very funny uh, because you're the second person that it's come up with. Not so much about the regular show, but it's come up in your career. Um, you're talking about the uh, your your uh, sons your sons friends parents walking in when when you know skip's nipples were or skip's tits were hanging down um so there's another guy i had on my podcast his name is mike kubat and he worked with aka cartoons that did ed and eddie and he was one of the writers and uh you know he was telling the story on my show fuck like two years ago now at this point um but he was like the soccer dad so he was driving all of his uh daughter's friends to the soccer game he's picking them up he's taking them to practice and stuff like that so there was a couple of the of his daughter's friends um, that were in the back seat. And I think he said he had like this uh, he had like this big ass SUV, and um, some of the parents were in there too. So they were driving to a game or they were driving to practice. And somehow the topic of the show he worked on, and none of the parents knew he worked on the show, but they were talking about Ed, Ed and Eddie, and the and the parents were shitting on the show. And then he oh, kept yeah. looking, he kept looking in the rearview mirror, and he was like, "I got a kick out of it." I was laughing at it because you know we we got hate mail all the time on this shit. It was so weird. It was people yelling, "Is doing this?" It was so so strange. It was a weird ass cartoon. It should be on there. So just okay. seeing seeing you guys interact with people that one might not know you've worked on something, or b know you've worked on something and just don't give a shit. And they're going to tell you what they think. I think it's I think yeah. it's a fascinating thing because I hear about it all the time in my profession. People will come up, especially when you're working. And they'll be like, oh, one of two things is going to happen. Like, oh, this is the greatest meal I've ever had. Or, oh, you know, this is okay. I can use, I can cook better at home. And usually if I hear anybody say I can cook better at home, I'm like, fuck, you can't. You're not using <laughs> the same product we're using. You're not doing the same technique we're doing. You can't do shit. Shut up. Very few yeah. people can actually come up and say, yeah, you can do what I can do. Um, but yeah, I always equate that to, to what I do and, and, you know, interacting with people that uh, are leaving a review or talking about what they experienced, you know. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I find that extremely fascinating um, with this uh, with this episode. Before we get off of this episode, man, is there one scene? I know you said uh, really fire, but is there one scene that stands out the most to you in this episode? Um, I think it's. I mean, I remember a, a, a bunch of little moments, but the the stuff that stood out to me the most was 
when um i can't remember what the line is but uh, like they're standing in the middle of the park and it's daytime and then instantly it's a, it's a blizzard you know like the mm-hmm. blizzard just sends on them from nowhere and they're like oh dude this is crazy what's going on and they kind of realize what they've done in altering the park records and they're like oh shit skips you know that because they had written you know and and skips got his leg broken and we saved him and you know so they realized that they doomed doomed skips and so mm-hmm. they they run to the to the get the cart and they're they're driving through the blizzard and you know they end up it ends up being a self-fulfilling prophecy where they run into skips with the cart while they're trying to save him and they break his leg and they 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 pick him up and they you know um they help him into the cart and then they drive off and then the snow monster comes up out of the snow and they're you know they're looking up at it and and um there's a moment where um Mordecai gets this like a snow snowblower and is doing the snowblower and that's when the thing you know the monster comes up uh so I I really enjoyed you know that moment but Mm -hmm. then kind of everything from there on to the end I I really enjoyed you know the uh the monster chasing them and shooting fire at them and, and them having to uh um um you know put the the book of park records back together and in the moment where Benson comes out and he's like, "Hey guys, I got these uh these uh, appreciation <laughs> plaques for you after all." And they're like, "No, no, no, later, later, later." And then uh and then and then later on, you know, when when everything goes back to normal, uh, you know, Benson and Skip's get in the cart and they drive away and they're like, "What? No, no plaques?" Like I, I <laughs> thought it was just a really funny way to to end the episode. Um, yeah, a little playback yeah. on what happened. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, really man. Different. Episode. yeah it really was man a lot of these uh a lot of these episodes and, and like i said with the with the king of the hill man we're, we're gonna have to if you're up for it we're gonna have to do uh do this again because i'm pretty sure with king of the hill i kind of pre-gamed you with with a lot of stuff beforehand so you had the creative juices going uh okay. so the next time you come on man we gotta go uh we're gonna go a little bit more in depth with king, uh, not king of the hill god damn it freudian slip we go a little <laughs> bit more in depth with a regular show because i'm pretty sure as soon as we get off this call you're gonna have those creative juices flowing you're gonna be thinking about stories you haven't thought about in a long time um sure. you know but as we as we start to wind down this the, the regular show portion, man, uh, kind of a couple of the same questions that I asked you with the King of the Hill, man. So when you sit back and you think about regular show, man, what are some of the first thoughts? What are the first uh, you know memories? Or even taking it one step further, man, when you think a regular show, if you can put it into a sentence, a word, a phrase, you know, what would you encapsulate regular show as for you? Boy, uh, I have. Uh... A dozen different thoughts all at the same time. Um, you know, everything that I talked about, about, about getting to work on dis- different aspects of, you know, the, the creative aspects of animation mm-hmm. uh, stand out. But uh, another thing is just getting to work with such amazingly talented people. You know, yeah. uh, GG, you know, we've talked about what an amazing talent he is. Mike Roth, an amazing talent. You mentioned John Infantino and 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 Calvin Wong and Toby Jones and Sean Zellis, Cat Morris, uh, uh, Owen Dennis. You know he went on to do um, uh, Infinity Train and um, Calvin. I, I think he's on We Baby Bears right now. Um, yes. Uh, you know it's just so many funny, funny, funny people. Um, 
and a lot of you know, Minty Lewis, uh, who who we haven't uh, talked about yet. She was a uh, uh, an incredibly talented uh, writer and storyboard artist on a regular show who went on to co-create uh, the Great North, which I ended mm -hmm. up uh, uh, was my first uh, assistant directing directing gig. Um, you know, just so so many talented people, like and just ridiculously funny, and uh, just just the sheer level of talent that I that I got to you know. Where you mentioned Robert uh, Alvarez, you know, he was, you know, I think he worked on every single episode, you know, he was the, yeah. the sole timer animation director for that, that entire run of that show. Um, that stands out to me. Uh, another thing that stands out to me uh, is um, the fact that it was a very, um, it was a very young crew of by and large. And at the time, uh, I, I started in 2009, because I started literally a month before my son was born. And uh, normally, you know, I would you'd get to take paternity leave. But, you know, I think I mentioned earlier that, um, you know, I'd been out of work for a year and a half. A, I couldn't say no to the job financially. Uh, but mm -hmm. B, I couldn't say no to the job because of the the opportunity it presented. So, um, you know, I kind of had to deal with the, the birth of my son and my first kid, as well as, you know, doing this new show you know, first season shows are always tough anyway, because you're establishing the world, you're establishing the voice of the characters, establishing the world. Um, so the birth of my son is, you know, kind of tied into regular show as well. And his later love of the show is is wrapped up in that as well. But but circling back to what I was saying about it being a young crew, you know, um, I was in my um, my late 30s at the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there were a couple older folks, but I was like one of the old guys, you know, on, yeah. on that show. You know, uh, most of the people were fresh out of college or or in their mid twenties, so um, I felt like like the like the old guy or one of the old guys <laughs> on the show. <laughs> you know, um, and um, a, a a story that I love that that kind of relates to that is um, one of our first. Um, celebrations that we had uh it, it was a potluck we, we we had a potluck for the show and we um we all brought some food and i remember buying i think i bought some portos there's a, there's this la restaurant i don't know if you know portos but it's a um kind of one of an la institution and i i think i brought potato balls from portos but anyway um we all brought food and we were all celebrating and like I said, you know, I kind of felt like one of the older guys, you know, the crew, the rest of the crew was, or most of the rest of the crew was on, on the younger side. And I see a guy with his back to me and, and this, this sounds terrible, but, um, you know, I was like, oh man, who's, who's, who's the old guy. And by, by old guy, I mean, like he stood out as being an older person in, in relation to everybody else. Like he wasn't old, but you know, he was like, like yeah. older in relation to everybody else. And then he turns around and it's fucking Mark Hamill. I'm like, fucking Luke Skywalker, holy shit. You know, and um, I regret to this fucking day not introducing myself and saying, fucking Mark Hamill, you, Star Wars was so important to me as a kid. And, you know, I grew up, you know, loving Luke Skywalker and, and Star Wars. And, you know, if I could point to any one thing that kind of led me down the path of loving science fiction and comics and, and you know and and um fantastical 
films it, it, it's star wars you know yeah. like the, that i was from that generation and and um i just was i was too intimidated you know like even though i was working on the same show as this guy and he's there and he's a super nice guy super approachable i was starstruck and i couldn't i i couldn't talk to him and i, I regret to this day never having you know uh had a conversation with him because from what everybody had told me he's just a super super nice guy and you know mm -hmm. just just a regular guy who uh you know loved doing cartoon voices like you said he did the joker he did skips you know he had this whole other side to his career in in animate animation voices and um i remember watching the, him in the recording booth a couple times and that was really cool um I remember one time being in the, in the hallway. Uh, I don't know if, if people have told you, but there there are um, a couple of stairways in in um, Cartoon Network. One of which is just covered with art, and you know people did mm -hmm. all these cool drawings and stuff. And then there was this other hallway uh, on the backside of the building, which didn't have any art to begin with. But then they they hired an artist to do this really cool. Um, I don't know if I would describe it as Keith Haring esque, but like these the kind of like line work and interlocking. I'm sure you could probably find it if you search it on, uh, you know, online. But this really cool hallway with this all this art, and I'm talking with a friend at the base of the stairs, and this was right as the pre, uh, not the prequels, the the um, episode seven, eight, nine. So the the, the mm -hmm. sequel trilogy were was happening, and we all knew that that Mark Hamill was going to be reprising his role as as Luke Skywalker. And I'm talking with a friend at the base of the stairs, and Mark Hamill comes down the stairs, and he had the 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 Luke beard, the beard, you know, the beard. And I was like, oh shit, you know, he's he's getting ready for the, you know, for his his his, his reprise as, as as Luke Skywalker. And he just, you know, he walked by, and I'm like, oh, so cool, so cool that you know, I'm I'm working <laughs> on a show that has Mark Hamill, and that uh, you know, uh, yeah, it was just it was just really cool. And, and working at Cartoon Network is kind of like that anyway, because the recording booth. The recording studio was in the same building that we all worked in. So, you know, you'd be coming back from lunch or something, and you know, Keith David would come in, or 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 Lou Ferrigno would come in, or um, mm -hmm. uh, God, who's the guy? Uh, he I, he did a voice on. I don't think it was Ed Ed and Eddie, but he was the bad guy in RoboCop. Uh, Kirk Kirkwood. Uh, oh, um, Kirkwood or something would um. But, uh, you know, like just just these awesome, iconic actors hanging out. And, you know, and that, that dude came up to me and, and was like, hey, uh, you know where the coffee cups are? <laughs> like, you know, I got I helped, um, you know, that guy find uh, coffee cups. Uh, so it was just this really, really cool place to work. And uh, Elijah Wood was there for a little while uh, because he was doing a voice for Over the Garden Wall. And um, I remember... Uh, the voice of um the voice of Finn in Adventure Time was was hanging out in the studio and giving a tour to one of the actors from Game of Thrones, the 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 Flower Knight. Mm -hmm. Apparently they were buddies and you know it was just you know this guy giving you know one of the actors from Game of Thrones a tour of Cartoon Network. <laughs> just one of these really uh, funny, funny moments. Um so anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, this um, it, it was just a really cool place to work, and oh, oh, yeah, I, I was trying to remember how how I got onto that tangent. Um, yeah, it was it was a young crew, but just incredibly, incredibly talented, and and, and 
And another thing that was cool about the crew too was that um, JG and um, I know that uh, Penn Ward on, on Adventure Time and also Rebecca Sugar for for uh, Steven Universe drew heavily from the indie comics and the uh, the comic zine world. Mm-hmm. So uh, they hired a lot of people who they they just dug. And, and Minty Lewis was one of those people. Uh, Calvin was one of the guys. Toby, uh, I think Owen, Sam Spina, just just a whole bunch of of, of guys uh, and gals on the show um, that JG just found either at comic conventions, you know, who were just there selling their zines, or or uh, found them online, and mm-hmm. and he would he would call them up and say, hey, you know, I really dig your stuff, and um, do you want to work on the show? They did a lot of these people had zero animation experience, but um, they since they came from the the comics, the indie comics world, they had experienced as um, artists as well as writers. So they they kind of had that base. And um, initially, as they were finding their footing in how to draw storyboards for animation, I was there as you know as storyboard revision. To be kind of their support staff to help them get up to speed you know like you know um they would do these these rough but brilliant boards and mm-hmm. and so i would be there to help refine it and um make it shipping ready so you know make make it animation ready so it'd be ready for the overseas animators and um another difference between this is, uh, you know, just as as an aside, uh, a regular show and all those other shows kind of operate a little bit differently from the primetime shows that I come from. Mm-hmm. Like the primetime shows, we would pose the shit out of stuff, you know. So, um, I well, we 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 did pretty much everything but eye blinks, and you know, we would we draw every step that the characters took, every help, head tilt that they would do. Whereas on a regular show and a lot of the other Cartoon Network shows we would get away with doing a lot less poses and a lot more kind of indication of action. So we would kind of do a pose and then the next panel, we would kind of do, draw an arrow to kind of indicate the action. And uh, Robert and the overseas, you know, Robert Alvarez and the, and the overseas studios would kind of fill everything in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, um, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, a lot of our crew came from the the comics world and and uh just had very unique voices and were super talented and uh you know they started off raw and rough with zero animation experience but ended up being these creative powerhouses that came into their own voice and then ended up you know having these incredible careers you know like mm-hmm. like calvin you know he was a he was a programmer and an engineer um who just did comics in his spare time and uh, came down and just it was super funny and super talented and um ended up being the animation i, I want to say animation supervisor on regular show towards the yeah. end and, uh and um like i said owen ended up um moving on to infinity train and uh toby ended up uh you know working on okko and working with ian uh jones cordy on 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 that show and of course, uh, um, Toby had his own uh, shorts. I think Calvin had his own short uh, produced. That was another cool thing about Cartoon Network is they had this really vibrant uh, development department. 
and they really mm-hmm. wanted they they knew they had this incredible resource and all these talented people with their own um, individual voices and they wanted they and encouraged people to pitch uh, their ideas so a lot of people were able to um uh, have their own uh, shorts produced, and yeah, uh, that's yeah. where Infinity Frame came from. That's where OKK KO came from. I'm pretty sure that's where Steven Universe came from. Yep. But regular show came from there. Um, Adventure Time had its life somewhere else, but uh, uh, had a, had a similar experience with um, uh, with development at Nickelodeon and with uh, with Frederator and. and uh, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it was just an incredibly uh, talented, young but talented studio. You know, where, yeah, where yeah. just uh, people were really encouraged to have their own voices, and 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 uh, and I think that was a that was a golden age for for Cartoon Network. You know, uh, where where the 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 brass at the top, the development people, they trusted the the auteur voices. You know, like each show from that era had its own unique voice it had its own unique look it had its own unique style and uh that was encouraged um mm-hmm. you know and um you know props to you know Curtis Lee Lash and and, and uh, uh 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 Conrad Montgomery and um uh, oh man I'm, I'm blanking on her name uh but the the the, the development team who were in charge there uh you know just they they trusted everybody and they trusted people to do a good job and and I I now that most of those people have left the studio it's just not the same and well of course a whole bunch of other stuff has happened you know uh, with the merger of uh, Warner Brothers and Discovery and kind of the recent gutting of animation and the gutting of yeah. you know that that's you know I think Cartoon Network itself was kind of on life life support um, although uh, just recently. Um, I got to go to a uh, an event for Adult Swim, where um, they had uh, three episodes that they were, or excuse me, three shows on Adult Swim that they were uh, presenting. One was uh, Gennady's uh, Primal. Unicorn. Uh, oh, Primal, yeah. yeah, he hadn't. He had, uh, he, Unicorn hadn't, hadn't come out yet. I mean, he he kind of referenced it, but he was mostly talking about Primal. Um, God, what's the what's the 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 other the other two? Um, like I said, sometimes I have a black hole for for names and stuff. One, oh, the other was Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. and the other one was an Amazon show that I am blanking on, but I had never seen before. That also was really funny. It's a shame I can't remember. Um, but anyway, uh, the the reason I bring it up is because uh, Gennady was doing um he did primal at cartoon network and he's doing unicorns at, at cartoon network so um i got to see kelly cruz uh who who was the uh, line producer on adventure time and she was um heading up adult swim now and and uh i was happy to see that cartoon network is still limping along you know it's still got great stuff that's <laughs> happening there it's a little bit of a shadow of its former self but at least it's still got you know great stuff happening there and these great talented people are still still doing cool cool stuff there um but yeah the time that i was there i was that's another reason i was fortunate i was there during this golden era uh where cartoon network was doing great great work with great people and i was really fortunate to be there at that time to be there with the the level of talent that that i was able to um uh, to be involved with and 
yeah, it was, it was really, really a, a fun, great time for me. Absolutely, man. It was a great and fun time for us, too. It was definitely, uh, I'm going to echo the same sentiment, man. It was the second wave of animation for the, the golden age, man, the Gilded Age, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I came in with that 95, 96, the Dexter's Lab, the Powerpuff Girls, the Curse, the Cowley Log, Johnny Bravo's, you know, um, I feel like I'm, for, I know I'm forgetting one, uh, Cow and Chicken, uh, you know, the Ed Ed and Eddie's, the Mike Lewin Ogs, you know, and then you kind of have this desolate period, you know, 2008-ish, 2009-ish, you know, something starts happening with the animation world, kind of like what's happening now, um, you know, yeah. and then it starts to come back with Adventure Time, and then it comes back, starts to come back with Steven Universe and then regular show, you know, and then a lot of those guys that I've had on, I've had Ian on, I've had Toby on, they both echoed that same sentiment. It was a very weird footing. It's weird, very weird now. I'm really yeah. hoping that, uh, you know, 10 years from now, we'll still have that black and white checkerboard that says Cartoon Network adorning the screens of whatever it might be, whether it's streaming, whether it's cable, you know, whether it's sadly a bygone era, you know, because everything really tends to come to an end eventually, um, you know, but everything's also starting to come back because I feel like we're running out of original ideas and everybody wants to placate to those fans that uh, grew up with the shit we're, we've been talking about for the last uh, four hours. <laughs> you know? So, you know, yeah. I, I've, uh, I've really had a, I've really had a blast going down and uh, going down memory lane, talking King of the Hill and talking a uh, regular show these last couple hours, man, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, Make I'd it. love to have you. I'd love to have you back on. And like I said, uh, I'm pretty sure both King of the Hill and regular show is probably going to be very, effervescent is that the right word it's going to be at, right at the forefront of your, your your thinking for at least the next couple hours at least at the very <laughs> least the next couple hours you know yeah. you'll, you'll be thinking about it so uh maybe this will stir up some some more stories some more uh some more thoughts and memories because six and a half years on any show six and a half years anywhere is a long fucking time um so like i said you're going to be thinking about some shit you haven't thought about or you've probably forgotten since it happened uh right as soon as we get off this call man um but uh like I said, this has been an absolute blast. Can't wait to do it again. For the fans that uh, want to come by and say, hey, Paul, love what you do, man. Where can they find you at on social media at all? Yeah, um, I I have, uh, well, I, I'm pretty terrible when it comes to social media, but I do That's have- That's a good uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, I um, I need to get better, though, just from a, um, a community standpoint, a self-promotion mm-hmm. standpoint. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit better at that. Um, and I'm terrible about posting my stuff other than times when a, an episode of mine is, is about to air, you know, mm-hmm. I'll kind of, you know, do a post or two about that. Um, I've got a, I got a Facebook page. I got uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I've got a, a website that I've been trying to, well, I started it. I, I launched it and then have neglected it ever since for a project, a personal project that I'm working on mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a young adult horror feature that I that I wrote last year in my spare time, and I've been trying to to work on them and and uh, and get off the ground. Um, so yeah, there's no real central hub that I can point to and say, hey, you know, find this find my work here. But uh, hopefully, that's going to be changing in the next couple of months. I want to be trying to 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 get a little bit of this more self promotion going, a little bit more of my uh, you know work from my past, work from my present. Uh, work for my own personal projects uh, mm-hmm. uh out there um but yeah work in progress 
<laughs> no worries, man. We'll have all the links for all of your social media as well as website and anything else you want us to put in there. We'll make sure we put it in the description notes so they can literally go to the description below, point, click, and then go to wherever you want them to go, man. Well, like I said, Paul, it's been a, an absolute honor and absolute pleasure chatting with you, man. Um, Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime, man. Uh, there's no better way to end this other than, you know, how I end every show, man. He's been Paul. I've been Julian. It's been a What's in My Head podcast, and this has been another piece and a huge piece of your childhood. Good night.